Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian geek worldview. And today on the show, I'm going to be talking about two different video games. I'm going to be talking about Little Nightmares 2 and also Resident Evil 8. Both of these games I was excited for, looking forward to. And let's just dive right into the first one now, Little Nightmares 2. Little Nightmares 2. Little Nightmares 2 is a uh, side-scrolling adventure horror game that follows this little kid. It's a, a little kid in a gigantic environment, and there is people that are out to get you. There's monsters creeping around. It's gross, it's weird, and it's creepy, and along the way, you meet this mysterious other character that you, uh, your two characters there move along. Not multiplayer. When I when I first saw the trailer of this, I thought, oh, they're making this into a co-op kind of thing, like Unravel 2 did. No, Little Nightmares 2, single player only, but you're you're there with an AI companion uh, for a, a lot of points in the game, and just. Right off the bat, the very first thing you notice going into this game is, man, the atmosphere of this game is amazing, man. It is this kind of, it's dark and bleak, but it's its a beautiful, like the environments and stuff are absolutely beautiful. The graphics, I'm playing this on PlayStation 4, by the way, uh, the graphics are absolutely amazing. It looks so good and just there's these like big grand scenic kind of kind of views in the game and then down to like some of the small itty gritty uh, details that you can tell they put time into in the game that just makes it look and feel like a real world and just again the atmosphere this you're this little kid in this big world and everything is kind of against you so there's this kind of oppressive atmosphere but there's also it's also you know there's the innocence of uh, mono who's the the main character uh kind of contrasting with the horrors of the world very cool this this game much like the first game it's it's a mixture of the beauty and macabre because the 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 villains and stuff in this is extremely gross and weird and creepy and absolutely terrifying like when you're playing this game this is a scary scary game and, and which is interesting it, this isn't like the kind of scary game where after you play it necessarily you're like oh man you know you, it, i guess the the tension or the scares don't stay with you like in some other horror games maybe because it's so much more abstract i guess in some ways because uh but, but i mean part of it is because you're playing as this little kid you're playing as this this you know this little kid that's in a in an environment everything is oppressive everything is over him and like pushing down and trying to kill him and all this kind of stuff and then you know he has to fend for himself and then when these big creepy monster people come out it is like really intense and scary and really cool speaking of the monster people man the the monster people the designs in this are insane they're they're I think they top the first one with some of the monster designs and stuff in this creepy, scary, and when they pop out, oof, it's intense and just very visually interesting, very visually unique monsters, you know, monsters that it's like, you, you don't see monsters that are like this in very many places, very interesting, 
very, very cool. You kind of have your character that you're leading through these environments, and you come into contact with this other character, and you kind of build up a little bit of a relationship with them. And by the way, all this is without dialogue. There's no dialogue at all in this game, uh, other than there's like a button you can say like, hey, or hello, or something, you know, just to kind of, like, you know, if you want to get somebody's, a monster's attention over here, or something, you know, something like that in kind of a game mechanic sense. Other than that, there's really, there's no talking in this game at all, but they, they kind of do a good job at kind of bringing these two kids together in this environment, and you have to work together with this other character, and kind of building that relationship without actually saying, or saying anything, I think is, is really well done. You know, you got that that button where you can say hey and then you can get their attention if they're doing something else or, or whatever and uh and then there's even a part where you can like hold hands as you're running all is like yeah, that's that's cute you know uh anyway they do a really good job at attaching you to these characters that uh, that again that don't speak that are you know they're they're silent protagonists but they but you see them you can see their mannerisms you can see some of the things they're doing and especially uh once you got you know the two characters and they're interacting with each other a little bit more uh seeing some of that dynamic kind of attaches you onto these characters and again there's the the whole innocent dynamic of their kids and they're innocent in this world of, of horror and this world of uh terror the the puzzles in this game because this is like a, a puzzle platformy kind of game uh basically it's you you go around you try to miss the monsters and you try to figure out whatever little puzzle there is to get you to the next point uh and the puzzles for the most part i, I think are good you know there's a couple ones that are a little you know a little tricky but for the most part as long as you're kind of going around and you're you're looking at different stuff you can figure it out easily enough and uh and, and kind of keep things moving along. They do introduce in this one some action. Like, I mean, the, the other one, it had some action, but not like this one you can get, you can like pick up like a hammer or an axe at different points. But of course, they're like regular sized axes. You're playing as these tiny little kids. And so they're like gigantic in your hand, you know, as this little kid. And you're like dragging it along in order to, to use it against some of the enemies in here. Uh, the action is interesting. You know, I'm, I'm kind of mixed on the action because I think it's, it's very kind of slow and methodical which very much works for this game. You know, you you have this big, you know, hammer or whatever and you pull it over and you got to hit this thing and so it takes this kind of big swing that's like you know hard for this character to do because this character is so tiny, you know. And uh, and so it's kind of slow and sluggish, but it's it's more about kind of getting the timing right to to, you know, hit what you're trying to hit, uh, you know, hit the enemy or whatever. Uh, there okay, the reason I'm kind of mixed on the action, I think that part is well done the f the swinging of the hammer and everything is is well done the the it's really i guess it's the enemies there's a couple different enemy types some of them are good and some some are just instant death if you miss at all or anything if you mess up at all it's just instant death and you have to restart that you know section of the mission again uh which i found that annoying because those you had to be very precise when you hit these enemies otherwise it's just immediate mission failure and you have to restart that part of the mission uh whereas or that part of the level i guess i should say uh whereas with the other ones it it felt a little bit more lenient if they got you it's still like a one hit pretty much you know if, if anything gets you you're pretty much a one hit death kind of thing but it felt some of the enemies felt a little bit more lenient where it's like oh if you missed there's a potential that you could get out of the way or you could dodge the attack coming in or something along those lines 
Whereas, I guess just with the enemies where it was extremely precise and if you didn't get it right, you just had to restart. And then they would throw like a few of those enemies where you had to hit a few precise shots all in a row. And for some of those missions, that got pretty annoying to me because it's like, okay, you know, I, I hit two of the ones that are, you know, precisely. And then I missed the third one and I got to redo that again. And the, so there was some sections that I played uh, several times in a row trying to... Uh, you know, tr just trying to hit the, the precise spots right where you're supposed to in order to progress the game. And ultimately, when you're playing those sections over and over, it ceases becoming scary. It ceases becoming, you know, you kind of being in the moment and stuff in the game like you're supposed to be as you're, you know, venturing through this this land and all this kind of, you know, all the other weird stuff that's going on in this game. You're supposed to kind of be experiencing it as it comes along. And when it comes along, you're like, whoa, that's crazy or whoa, that's cool. But, you know, when you're stuck in a loop just trying to defeat, you know, three or four enemies popping up that you have to hit very precisely, uh, it's just, ultimately, it's just annoying and it, it kind of takes you out of the game, ultimately, for me, anyway. So there's there's a couple of those sequences and there's like a, ch a chase sequence where, uh, where it reminds me of like the Uncharted chase sequences where he runs into the camera kind of thing, where it's like you basically just have to memorize where everything is going to fall down or where everything is going to go so that way you know and so you die like 10 times trying to figure out, okay, now I go left, now I go right, now I jump, now I slide, now I, you know, and just, so it's just, it's just memorizing it and then you die, you get a little further, you memorize it, you die and it's just annoying. It's just annoying. I don't know. I find that annoying in Uncharted and I find that annoying here because you, you end up dying 15 times trying to get through it or something. You know, it's just annoying. Anyway, um, but th that said, when the action works, like, you know, when, when you're there and there's that enemy that you know, that you can, that you can hit, or if you miss, there is an opportunity for you to dodge. It feels more fair. It feels like, oh, okay, if, if you messed it up a little bit, you can kind of either get around it, he may or may not get you. You may have to restart, and, and, you know, restarting is not necessarily a bad thing if you, you know, if the monster gets you or whatever, but, uh, it's just when you're, you're stuck on something, repeating it over and over and over kind of thing, right? Typically speaking, like, the puzzle platforming kind of genre of game is not my kind of game. So, I mean, you know, I guess take some of that for, for what it's worth. You know, people that are better at platforming, people that are better at some of this this style of game uh, might be better at that. But, man, I enjoy these two games so much. The first Little Nightmares and then this one. Th honestly, I think Little Nightmares 2 is better in almost every single way from the first one. This is, this has such amazing visual storytelling. Like, the visual storytelling in here, the story that they're telling with absolutely no, no dialogue at all, and it, it's not this super simple, never complex kind of thing. There is, like, there's, there's things going on. There's things weaving around in here that, uh, that, you know, you pay attention to and you see pop up or you see things happening in different locations. You connect things in your mind and you're like, oh, and you see this kind of overarching narrative in here. That is, it's, in my opinion, that's so much more well done in this game than it was in the first. I liked it in the first game, but it was kind of, once it ended, it was like, it was, it was intriguing. It was interesting, but it was also one of those things where it's like, I still don't know what exactly happened. I'm still not clear on what happened. And there's elements of that in this game. They, the, these kind of games, they want to leave you a little bit of that mystery, right? And that works. And so 
and that's definitely present in this game too. You know, the with no dialogue at all, there's certain things that are kind of left up to interpretation a little bit. Maybe I mean maybe uh, I'm probably you know whoever directed the game or whatever knows exactly what's going on, right? But there's a little bit more left to the imagination, a little bit more left to for you to figure out. But this game, it does. It it seems like there's more clear connections. There's more kind of clear story arcs, which is kind of interesting uh, with characters that, again, that that never speak and you can barely see their face, you know, because they're they're tiny and you're just puzzled platforming around with them kind of thing. Uh, but absolutely fantastic. I love this game. This game, this game is a big step up from the first game, in my opinion, and it. Uh, you know, despite some of those sequences that I played, you know, over and over and over, the the story of this one sucked me in. The visuals and the atmosphere and the feeling of this game sucked me in. And, you know, rooting for these little cute characters running around sucked me in. Man, this, this game, absolutely fantastic and a step above the first Little Nightmares. Great, great stuff. All right, now let's move on to Resident Evil 8 Village. Hey, now. Think positively, all right? We talked about this. I know. We hardly talk about anything else. Resident Evil Village. Ethan Winters, the star of Resident Evil 7, is back and uh, his daughter is kidnapped by Chris Redfield, of all people. Very strange. What's going on with Chris here? He, he's a good guy, right? He's kidnapping people and killing people now. What's what's going on? This is kind of weird. And so you're plopped into this, this village that has... Werewolves, vampires, all kinds of crazy monsters in here, and you gotta just rampage your way through everybody to get your daughter back. Now, I love the recent Resident Evil games. I mean, Resident Evil 7 is really where I came in, and then I played, you know, the 2 and 3 remakes as they came out, playing this one, and I played uh, Revelations, the, the first Revelations as well. Uh, you know, and so I, I've played some of the Resident Evil games. I have definitely not played all of them, but man, this recent streak of Resident Evil games has been absolutely fantastic. And Resident Evil 7 was the scariest game I've ever played. That game was freaky, man. And now this game, does it live up to that level of scariness? No, this game is not as scary as Resident Evil 7, for sure, in my opinion. I mean, it has its moments, it has the, it definitely has the tension, and it has its moments of, like, of scariness, but, uh, but that is it's not nearly as strong as Resident Evil 7 and once you get used to you know the way certain things and creatures and stuff in here work uh they become less scary and it's 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 a little bit more action horror survival horror kind of thing it's again it's just it's not as scary as Resident Evil 7 but ultimately that's okay there is one sequence in this I'll say I'm not gonna say what it is because that would be a spoiler but there is one sequence in here that is extremely unnerving. There is one sequence that is like very uncomfortable to play and just like, ugh, ugh, okay. Uh, so 
I, I won't go into that here because I don't want to. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll do a spoiler section and talk about a couple things. There's certainly things to talk about spoiler-wise with this game uh, as far as the story and some stuff goes. Let's talk about the enemies a little bit here. So, in Resident Evil 7, uh, you pretty much, you know, you had the family. There, you, you have, you're stuck in this family and you have to fight them. But then other than that, there was only a couple other enemies. There was very few enemy types in Resident Evil 7. Uh, this one, they definitely upped the, the variety of enemies in this game. And even, so, like, the, the smaller enemies, what would be the zombies, or what would be, like, the mold monsters in the basement of Seven, or, or something like that. Even those that are kind of the small enemies that pop up every, you know, th that pop up now and again, so you can have something to shoot and have something uh, in your way in be between, you know, getting to point A to point B kind of thing. Even those have a lot more variety because you have the base version of the the werewolf one and then you have like an upgraded tougher version and then you have you know you, you have like two or three different versions of the the basic werewolf enemies and the basic vampire enemies and and so on you know so you have you know once you get through those kind of base enemies you have a, a pretty wide variety of, you know, those kind of basic enemies that, that stand in your way there, and those are fun to fight. I, I guess I like the, the variety there. Also in this game, the killing those enemies gives you loot, unlike the Resident Evil 7. Uh, so this one, it actually... It encourages you to go the more action route a little bit. It encourages you, you and you get enough ammo to kill most all the, the monsters and stuff that are in your way. So you go and you, you kill all those, you gather the loot, you gather the resources, and you can uh, buy upgrades and all those kind of things. So this is more of an action-focused game, whereas uh, with Resident Evil 2 and 3, uh, and with uh, 7 even to a certain extent, you are more... If you can kind of get around them or if you can escape, you know, get around the zombies or whatever and leave them alive so as not to waste ammo, that's probably the better solution. Whereas this game, it is more you actually do want to uh, kill the enemies, you know. So again, slightly more, uh, uh, slightly bent maybe more towards the action side than the, uh, than pure survival horror in some ways, but still with those, some of those strong survival horror elements. Uh, and while we're on the enemies here, uh, I mean, we might as well talk about some of the, the bosses, the boss fights in here. Uh, the big one that you knew about going into this game, that I knew about anyway, was, uh, La Lady Demestru, Demestru, or whatever her name is. Uh, her, her last name is not pronounced how it's spelled, so I'm definitely not saying it right. Uh, but, but... You know, the big, tall vampire lady that everybody was going crazy about online, uh, even before the game came out and stuff. She was decent, you know, she's pretty good, but honestly, she is, she's only, like, one part of the puzzle of this game. You know, there is a bunch of different, uh, kind of bosses. There's a bunch of different, uh, big bad guys in this game, and really, she's only one part of the, the puzzle, and, you know, her, her sequence is good and, and is well done, but she is not the most interesting character or the most interesting villain in this movie. In my opinion, the most interesting villain in this movie is, uh, you got this werewolf guy named Heisenberg, and he is an extremely interesting character. I think that I, I think they went in some really interesting directions with him that I, I didn't see coming necessarily, and so I, I really liked his character. And then there's a few others. 
which I didn't know about really going into the game. And so I'm kind of going to leave those up as a, a mystery, you know, here. But I, to be perfectly honest, Lady Dimistru is, is like, you know, second or third, probably third or fourth somewhere down on the list of the most interesting villains in this story. Uh, but she's decent as well. And, and the boss fights, the boss fights in here are big. They're, they're all big. You know what? They... I, I enjoyed the boss fights as I was playing them because they're they're kind of the the big you know creature or monster or big intimidating kind of enemy in a sm somewhat small area you know that's that's like kind of a Resident Evil staple and that is definitely present here you got this this enemy that is like too big for you to be fighting in this kind of small area but that's where they put you in and that's where you have to fight him kind of thing uh and they that they do that in this movie or in this game and they maybe they maybe do that a little bit too much they make the the boss fights a little bit too big too often because while the boss fights were fun and, and were you know intense and stuff uh they it, it seems like pretty much every single time they're like, okay, now we need to soup up the boss and make him bigger and crazier stuff now, you know, kind of thing. Whereas, uh, if they, you know, since they have this wide variety of these big boss kind of enemies, uh, if they could have kept some maybe more smaller contained kind of thing and some bigger, crazier kind of thing to balance it out in a different direction than every single time it's kind of this big, big thing ordeal I guess that said the boss fights in this are fun they're they're great and I I really enjoyed them for the most part I, I think I just think there could have been maybe a little bit more of a variety but when they happen they're exciting they're intense and they are a lot of fun uh weapon wise really it's a, a lot of the same as far as Resident Evil goes you know the I guess nothing about the particular weapons you get is anything particularly special for Resident Evil, but they're all, you know, good and they work. What I, I did like with the weapons is the upgrade system. They introduced an upgrade system in this one. I think they, they might have had one in a, a previous game, but not in Resident Evil 7, I don't think. Not if I remember right, but uh, but the upgrade system is great. You know, upping your weapons, giving it different uh, attributes to your weapons kind of thing, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well done in this game, and, and with those enemies you kill and stuff you can get more resources to upgrade your weapons and that kind of stuff even more you can also hunt animals in this game in order to to get their meat to do some upgrades and stuff so but by the way hot tip here if you're playing the game and you got some animal meat and stuff don't just sell it off because it's it's there for something other than you just selling it off okay they you can hunt animals before you can uh, use the meats properly the way that, you know, the game means you, for you to use it. So it's like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of weird that they don't introduce that sooner, I guess. But if you, if you kill some animals and get their meat, don't sell it right away, okay? Visually, this game is fantastic. It looks amazing, and I love the environments of this game, man. The, it's it's beautiful environments. It's eerie. It's, you know, when you're in it, you can... It, it feels like the classic horror movie kind of environments with some of these environments, but man, it's beautiful. Uh, beautiful to look at, beautiful setup, and just, it, it looks great. You got a variety of locations in here, a, a good variety of locations, definitely more than I was thinking going into this game, and, uh, you know, so you, you're, you know, you got the, the, 
big open areas and you also got more of the tight close quarters kind of areas you know so you, you got kind of the a good variety of locales and, and different types of locales that are very interesting and very cool I again the environments in this game I think are absolutely fantastic the puzzles in this game are Resident Evil puzzles for the most part yeah, you, you can just mess around with it and you can you know eventually figure it out you know even if you can't find the right note or whatever to tell you what to do there is one puzzle though there is one puzzle in the game where one part of it i got stuck and i'm like i have I have no idea how to proceed. I'm just walking around in this little area trying to figure out this puzzle. And so I had to look up the answer to one thing and I figured, oh, I figured out that. And I could figure out the rest of the puzzle, which is, it was probably like the biggest puzzle in the game or whatever. But <laughs> there, you know, there is definitely one puzzle that I got stuck on. But for the most part, they're Resident Evil puzzles and they're fun. I like them. Uh, the story in this is very interesting. Again, it's, it's a Resident Evil story. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> I guess I say that in a way that makes it sound bad or something, right? But not, not, not so for me. I like Resident Evil stories, even though uh, a lot of it is, you know, oh, there's this monster, gotta get to this monster or through this monster to get to the next thing or whatever, you know, it, the, it, it's very much a video game type story, right? But I, I liked what they did in the story. I liked the, uh, I, I liked Ethan Winters trying to, you know, go after his kid and save his kid and stuff. You know, that, that's a good mission for the, the main character. I like the way they tie this game into Resident Evil 7. You know, Ethan Winters came from Resident Evil 7, but this is a very different game. Like, they, they, they changed, you know, where they're at. They changed the enemies. They changed a lot of stuff about what is going on. Uh, but they, they definitely tied stuff back to Resident Evil 7 in a cool way and the ending is insane and crazy and I, I really liked the ending of the game so ultimately story-wise I really loved this game as well and overall this just this is a great game it's intense edge of your seat fantastic uh Resident Evil horror game survival horror if you're a fan of survival horror uh this is definitely one to play in my opinion Resident Evil Village fantastic can someone please tell me what is going on here? No. The place is full of nothing but blood and death. Well, well, Ethan Winters. There you are. <laughs> Alright, I am gonna go into some spoilers here because there's some more things that I want to talk about, but things that I'm like, oh, I don't think I should talk about these things because I didn't know it going into the game and I think the game is better off uh, with you not knowing these things. So, spoiler warning for Resident Evil Village moving forward, you have been warned. So, real quick, I'm gonna go through each of the, the bosses here. We have five main bosses. I think, because you have uh, Lady Dimistru, you have the doll lady, you have Heisenberg, who's the, the werewolf guy, and you have Mother Miranda. Okay, you got you got four then. No, wait, you got the you got the, the creepy fish frog guy. Okay, no, you got five. Okay, you got five. We're going to go with uh, Lady D here uh, in the castle. So you got a vampire, and you got some vampire daughters here, and uh, it's technically, I don't know if they're technically vampires. I think technically they might be 
some variant on vampires, but they're ladies that drink your blood that if you open up the if you open up the window, they die in the sunlight kind of thing. So <laughs> they're basically vampires, right? Uh, so you, you're wandering around the castle. You're that's that's the sequence that's kind of like the uh, the the house sequence in Resident Evil Seven, where you're in the house, you find the key to get to this room, which leads you to the the item for this room, which leads you to this, which leads you to that, and eventually you can get out of the castle, which is kind of a, a classic Resident Evil thing, and that's well done in this game. Uh, but once you get to to well, first off, her daughters, the, they're all three basically the same exact boss fight. There's not really much different, which with each of her daughters, which is a little bit disappointing if they could have varied it up a little bit more. But they're all ba three basically the same and they're they're fine they're a fine fight i guess but they're they're nothing special honestly uh once you get to to lady d she turns into like this big dragon thing and is flying around which is kind of crazy and cool and I, like i didn't see that coming you know so you know sniping her and all that kind of stuff as she's flying around trying to shoot her down and stuff fun maybe too big maybe you know maybe since all of them kind of turn into these big things lady demistru or whatever her name is should have been the more smaller boss fight where you fight her as her and then after the big fight then you can stab her with that that knife which that dagger there's a note about the dagger that's like it's some magical dagger that can kill any monster or something i don't know it, it's just like kind of completely random seemingly uh if you weren't reading the notes i have no idea what you would think of that dagger because he just opens up a box pulls out a dagger and stabs her and it's just like what <laughs> if i didn't read that note beforehand i i would not have known but anyway decent boss fight pretty fun uh, but honestly, she's probably the one that they could have made smaller, you know, they could, they could have contained uh, a little bit better, maybe. Uh, the frogfish man guy here, he's kind of an interesting character in the sense that all these people are uh, under Mother Miranda's control, you know, they're all kind of under her thumb, uh, and some are more okay with it than others, you know. Lady D, she is, she, she wants to be the favorite son kind of thing, you know, your favorite daughter, I guess, kind of thing, you know, she, she kind of enjoys it or she she goes along with it i guess uh whereas the the fog the frog fish guy here uh he is kind of the outcast he's the black sheep of the group and uh and, and he just kind of wants to be accepted which is kind of his his storyline going on which is kind of interesting the boss fight with him i thought was awesome man the when when he turns into that big fish thing and he's swimming all over the place and then he comes out he's kind of amphibious you know he's a fish swimming around trying to kill you then he pops out and you got to kill him in that environment uh while he's climbing up on the roof and spitting acid everywhere a cool boss fight honestly like a really cool boss fight maybe the best boss fight in the game i thought it was pretty cool and then you got the doll lady the doll lady's Th that whole sequence was really cool because that you go into this house there's no loot or anything and then like somehow in a split second she takes all your weapons from you and and like hides them somewhere or something uh which they never explain how that happened or they never explain how you get them back randomly later on but anyway i don't know <laughs> this sequence though is really cool because it, it's it, i guess this is the sequence that's supposed to be like the the opening of resident evil 7 because you have no weapons you have no way to defend yourself there's the big puzzle in that room and the the missing piece that I couldn't find was there's a code on the ring so you wash off the ring and then you if you examine it you can find a code on the ring I didn't look at examine the ring close enough to, to see a code you know so that was the piece of the puzzle that I was missing ultimately you know going through that house 
solving that the kind of the the puzzles in that house and then having the dolls popping up you got to find the different dolls very creepy and kind of weird and going and trying to find the right one a very interesting boss fight you know an, an interesting way to go through it very clever very unique this sequence also contains the most unnerving sequence in this game for sure to me which is the gigantic baby in the basement that's crawling around trying to kill you what in the world that is that is screwed up man that's pretty jacked up uh, <laughs> that is like i said it's it's very unnerving and and gross and uh I mean, it's effective, but man, that 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 whole sequence is like, geez, Louise, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you got, am I on Mother Miranda? No, Heisenberg. Okay, Heisenberg, great character, Heisenberg, man. Like, cause he's he is done with this. Mother Miranda, he just wants to kill Mother Miranda. He wants out of here, and you don't know that for like half the game. You know, you're he's just off kind of doing his own thing and you just think he's a part of the family and everything no he is he you know, he's he's doing a revolution here you know he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be other under mother miranda's thumb anymore and he wants to kill her and he even offers ethan if they want to team up which when he was saying that i'm like yes let's team up let's do this is this going to give me a choice in resident evil 7 there's a point where it gives you a choice to choose between two things honestly i was thinking oh this might be the point where this game gives me the choice to between two things and i will absolutely go along with heisenberg and help him kill mother miranda but then i'm like nah screw you and uh <laughs> then we have to go fight a giant propeller face guy uh which was also crazy and pretty cool honestly heisenberg definitely the most interesting villain in my opinion a very interesting character there and again i i almost wish that there was that choice there because i totally would have played probably from that point forward to make that choice one way and then make the choice the other way to, to play again. Cause that's in the last quarter of the game or so, you know, I would have made a separate save there so that I can, I can do that because that would be, that would be interesting. Like, yeah, I, I would, I would have went along with Heisenberg, you know? Uh, anyway, <laughs> because I mean, he did he did not explain his plan well enough. The, the reason that Ethan says no is because Somehow, in some nebulous way, they gotta use his daughter as a weapon in order to, to fight Mother Miranda. Of course, that doesn't sound good, but also, what does that mean? Does that mean she just shoots laser beams at her eyes and kills her or something, like, and then she's fine, you know? If that's what that means, I mean, okay, let's go for it. Uh, but if it means, like, if it means your daughter has to die or something, then that's a whole different story, right? So it's like... You know, it, it you know he just needed to have a better conversation with Heisenberg to hash this stuff out. You know, uh, <laughs> but anyway, Heisenberg definitely the most interesting character when it comes to his boss fight. His boss fight's probably a little bit too big too, because man, they go insane with his boss fight. You get this giant gun, machine gun, rocket launcher thing that you're like driving around, and then you end up in the air floating around because apparently he has magneto-like powers too, and he's controlling metal. But then you like shoot him and you hit him with a chainsaw arm and stuff. It's it, it's insane. It's over the top. It's definitely the most over the top of all the the fights. Once you get into the latter half of the game, it's definitely steering more and more towards the the action side of things versus the the survival horror kind of side of things. Uh, both of which I find fun. Maybe the the survival horror a little bit more so, but both of which I find fun. And so that was a very entertaining boss fight, and it's it's. It is extremely over the top and ridiculous. But again, each one of these villains at the end turns into this big 
super like big crazy kind of creature and and one or two of them shouldn't have you know i guess the doll lady didn't you you ended up killing the doll lady without her turning crazy big or anything but it, it's just that that was a whole separate kind of thing which was really cool like i really enjoyed that whole sequence but one or two of these you know lady d and uh and Heisenberg, you know, either that or we could have destroyed Heisenberg's equipment and machinery and then had a, a more face-to-face -face boss fight with him being Werewolf Man or whatever, you know? I don't know. There could have been something a little bit more personal there as far as with the fight with Heisenberg because ultimately it was just this big, crazy, epic thing that was cool. But again, it's just uh, much bigger maybe than it uh, than it needed to be. And then you got Mother Miranda, uh, who, her boss fight's pretty good. Her, you know, she's the ending boss fight. And, and as soon as they set these up, I knew she was going to be the ending boss fight. Because they're like, you know, <laughs> right at the very beginning of the game, it pretty much, you you meet all of them in a room. And there's the doll lady, there's the, uh, you know, fish guy, there's the lady D. And it's like, oh, you know, this is this is like the, the scene in Resident Evil 7 where they're all sitting around the dining room and you can look around and go, oh, I'm gonna these are all the people I'm going to have to fight. And then the one that's leading them all is the one that you're going to have to fight in the end, right? And then this one, very much the same way. They're all there having a meeting and you go, oh, we got the werewolf guy, we got the vampire guy, uh, we have this creepy doll talking to me here, we have this fish dude. And so it's like, okay, you can see all these people. These are all the people you're going to have to get through in order to fight the big bad which is going to be, you know, Madam Miranda. What is her name? Mother Miranda, not Madam. I keep messing that up. Mother Miranda's boss fight is decent. It's pretty good. It's it's not the best boss fight in the game. Uh, also, I think Mother Miranda is an interesting character. I just wish they didn't just shove all of her character development in, like, the last hour of the game or something, you know? they They took... You know, because Heisenberg, I felt like, got he got some at the beginning and he got some in the middle. Like, he, he got a decent amount of character development. Whereas Mother Miranda, you know, she's the big imposing bad guy that's pulling strings and doing stuff in the background. But you, you don't really know much about her, much why she's doing what she's doing. Until the very end, there's this room full of notes that explains a ton of stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. And now you understand way more about her and what's going on and stuff. Uh, but... I don't know, I guess I wish they spread some of that more out, so as you learned, you could move forward, you know, knowing more about her, learning more about her, instead of just cramming all of that into the last couple hours of the game. Probably would have been a better move, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, because it, it would have made her, us more invested in her as a villain, I guess, or interested in her as a villain, because I did think she was interesting, you know, her trying to bring back her kid, uh, and she kind of somewhat being the origin of almost everything that happened in the Resident Evil universe. Am I reading that right? Again, I haven't played some of the older games, but, uh, but like she is umbrella happened because she worked with one of the guys that created umbrella and the whole, you know, fungus, uh, black mold stuff that was in Resident Evil seven is back in here. She's controlling that kind of stuff. And that's some of the stuff that caused, like, the zombie outbreak and stuff that happened in 1 through 3 and stuff. Like, I don't know. Am, am I reading all that stuff right? That's, that's, I mean, if they're tying all that kind of stuff in here, I mean, that's kind of crazy. It felt really big and, and like, cool while I was playing it because it's like, oh, man, they're, they're really tying a lot of stuff into this, it seems like, which is pretty cool. 
Um, okay, before we get to the biggest twist here, uh, Chris as the villain. Chris is the villain. He comes in. I didn't say it because they didn't explicitly say it in the trailers, I don't think. Uh, but they definitely implied it in the trailers. Uh, Chris comes in, just murders Mia. He comes in and murders Ethan's wife for seemingly no reason at all. And then he kidnaps Ethan's kid and leaves, and it's just like, the, the opening of it's just kind of shocking, because it's like, Chris, you know, Chris is the good guy, he's, he's been the main character of some of the other Resident Evil games, he's the, he's a good character, right, and then suddenly he comes in, murders his wife, kidnaps his kid, and says, stay out of this, Ethan, or whatever he says, you know, something stupid like that, and just leaves, and it's like, of course Ethan's not gonna stay out of it, you just kidnapped his kid and murdered his wife, it's not gonna happen, and, <laughs> and, uh, and so, of course, you know, Ethan is pissed and going after him. You figure out later, oh, okay, that was Mother Miranda that transformed into Mia kind of thing. You could you could see stuff, stuff like that. Maybe we could have figured out something like that earlier about Mother Miranda. I don't know, something with Mother Miranda. Anyway, you figure out, okay, he didn't actually kill Mia. He killed the you know, this monster that was uh, in the place of Mia, right? And he, he kidnaps Rose, Ethan's daughter, uh, in order to... Why did he kidnap Rose? Because, because Mother Miranda was going after Rose, and so he had to hold back Rose so that Mother Miranda couldn't get to her, or something like that. Anyway, basically showing, yeah, no, he, you know, Chris isn't the bad guy, but he, he did some things wrong. And, and I like, actually, the way they do this in this game, because I expected, I don't know, when they, when they revealed it, it was kind of like, I was, I was thinking, dude, you should have just talked to him. What in the world? You needed, if you just talked to Ethan about this, Ethan's been through a lot of junk in Resident Evil 7. He can he can handle some of this stuff, you know? You should have spoke to him, and that, that would have cleared up so much stuff. Uh, of course, they don't do that, so you that way you can have a game. But he totally should have just talked to him. And then later on, when he's talking over the intercom or over his uh, you know speaker system to the people back at the base... You know, they, that's kind of what they told him. They're like, you know, you should have told him. And he's like, no, we couldn't have done it because maybe Mother Miranda would have figured it out or blah, 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 blah. But then he's like, yeah, but you should have talked to Ethan about it. And he's like, yeah. And so it's like, I don't know. I guess it has that moment where it kind of acknowledges that. It's like, yeah, he messed up here. Like this, this, you know, it, it, the stuff that's happening here is at least partially his fault. And he shouldn't have approached the situation in that way. For sure. And the biggest, okay, the biggest revelation, the biggest crazy thing that happens here is you're getting near the end of the game. You, you defeat Heisenberg. Mother Miranda pops up just immediately. And so I'm going, oh, this is just, this is going to be the end of the game. Then we're going to fight Mother Miranda, kill her. This is the end of the game then. Is that, is that the deal? Okay. Uh, and then... <laughs> and then after talking to you for a bit, she just reaches through your chest, pulls at your heart, and Ethan dies. Ethan is just dead right there, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's insane. The main character of the game, just bam, dead right there. What in the world's going on? And then you start playing as Chris. You have a machine gun. You're decked out with all the army kind of stuff because he's into all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're way more loaded out than you've ever been in the game. You're go, you're mowing down, uh, you're mowing down lichens left and right down here. And then you find Mia and Mia's like, oh no, he's not dead. He can't, he can't die right now. You know, he, he can't die anymore. And you're like, what in the world? Ethan comes back to life. No heart. How does this work? Well, spoilers for Resident Evil 7, he died 
at the beginning of Resident Evil 7. And it explains, it explains so much weirdness that happened in both Resident Evil 7 and then again in Resident Evil 8. It, you know, because in Resident Evil 7, he gets his hand chopped off and they just staple it back on and it works. It's like, what? That is ridiculous, but... Nah, it works. This one, he also gets his hand chopped off, and he just pours some the the, the healing fluid over it. Bam, it, his hand works again. And uh, also in Resident Evil Seven, you could get your leg chopped off, and it it was an optional cutscene basically, where uh, if if you get caught at the wrong time by the dad, uh, he will chop your leg off, and then you can have to put it back on basically. And uh, so it's like it's just these kind of ridiculous sequences that are just like. Why is this even in here? How does this work? How does this make any sense? Isn't Ethan a quote-unquote normal guy? Uh, which is kind of the, the pitch of Resident Evil 7 to a certain extent is you're playing as just this kind of typical guy in the midst of all this craziness going on, right? Uh, but no, it turns out at the beginning of Resident Evil 7, when you get caught, you know, after the, the, the opening sequence where you're, you're at, get attacked by Mia, he catches you, he boot stomps your face, and he killed him right then. And so for pretty much all of Resident Evil 7, he was dead, and all of Resident Evil 8, he was already dead, but he was just a mold monster. He was another one of the mold monsters. He, his body got replaced by mold with his consciousness in it. Am I understanding that right? Something along those lines. And so he is just some kind of weird mold monster uh, along the lines of Heisenberg, Mother Miranda, and all these other different monsters that were made by the mold, you know, that were people that got made into monsters by the mold, you know, so it's like, okay, interesting, very, very interesting, very crazy, uh, crazy reveal, absolutely did not see that coming, and just everything about it, I, I thought that was extremely cool, I mean, there's, you kill him and then you bring him back from the dead, only to, at the end of the game, actually, like, supposedly kill him for real this time, so it's like you killed him, you brought him back, and then you killed him again. So it's like, okay, and is he actually dead or is he not? That can be questionable too anyway. But it, I, to a certain extent, it's like, okay, you could have just left him dead, stuck to your guns on that sequence, and maybe would that have made the ending stronger? I, I just liked it because the ending was so insane, man. Because it's like, first off, she just she pulls at your heart, literally is holding her your heart in her hand. And it's like, you die. And that's just like a shocking moment. It's another shocking moment when they bring him back from the dead. And not only reveal that, but reveal that he was dead since Resident Evil 7. It's just, it's kind of an insane, crazy ending. But it was really cool. Like, honestly, I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. What did you think? What did you think? Of Resident Evil 8, what did you think of Little Nightmares 2? Shoot me an email, helixreviewspodcast at gmail.com, and let me know what you thought. Uh, that's it for this time, guys. This is David Arrington, Helix Reviews Podcast, signing off. Bye bye, guys. Bye.